So now having talked about the whole process of branding and creating that brand and persona and identity, now we can start to talk about recruitment and not just um, not just building sort of like passive recruitment and having that online presence, but actively putting your brand out into the world where people can find it and people will actually see it. So the first part of that is all about building awareness. So what I just wanted to do now, actually I don't know where I'm talking on this for a while, is just brainstorm as a group ways to build awareness. And what I built sort of to do this is what can like QA do, what can states do, what can clubs do, what can individuals do to, or what, what, can they, what can they make, what can they put out to help build awareness. And then these are all different platforms as to where these things can go. This platforms could be social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so on. Could be YouTube, it could be video platforms like YouTube or TikTok. Um, could be different online forums like meetup.com, that kind of thing. Um, could be having a website. Could be going to public events like festivals, conventions, having a, like a university O week, um, uh, expressing your um, thing at tournaments like State Shield, um, which are sort of more in the public eye. Um, public spaces like bulletin boards, shopping centre stalls type things. Um, you can consider like your individual members of your club as platforms where you can spread your um, club's brand through, either through like merchandise, for example, like, you know, when I'm walking around this jumper, I'm a walking advert for Music Quidditch, right? Um, but also word of mouth is very, very valuable as a means of building awareness. Um, and so how do we increase that? Um, we can look at um, local businesses as a type of platform, you can look at public media as a way of raising awareness. And so this isn't necessarily just like um, talking about how to present it, but where can we present Quidditch more? So any ideas? Uh, I, I, I have another one to add because uh, Cheer on Netflix was extremely popular. It just came out like a month ago. Cheer. Which is? A, a Netflix series about cheerleading. Okay. Uh -huh. Docu, Docu series. And now everyone is talking about cheerleading, even though it's extremely expensive and still really niche. So we just need to convince Netflix to make, <laughs> <laughs> to make a series about us. But yeah, I know that you said made a movie already, mm -hmm. which... Cool. Uh, so like you're, you're, you're not wrong. Like Mod Bloods is a Netflix documentary that UCLA Quidditch made like years and years and years and years and years ago. That is a, that is a big awareness platform for them. And UCLA yeah. is one of the most well-known teams in the US because they're one of the most prominent brands in the US because they have things like Mod Bloods that everyone's heard about. Yeah, we have like the Weasleys have tried pretty much all of this stuff. And I think it works at the beginning, but after a certain point, it just sort of drops off. And um, I think we've, we feel like we've tapped out the local market because we used to get new people coming to things all the time. And now we're doing the same stuff that we were doing before and even stronger and spending more money on it. But now we're just getting like nothing. Like we did, um, I normally I'd, I'd spend, you know, maybe 
you know, anywhere between five and twenty dollars on the have a try session as uh, Facebook ads, mm-hmm. and you know, you'd probably get a couple of people turning up to that. Um, most recently, I think I did a big, I wanted to do a big have a try event last year. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go nuts on this. I want to get as many people on this as possible. I spent $150 on Facebook ads. I thought, this is going to be amazing. And we got it out there. Um, about 200 people commented, very positive. They tagged their friends. They were saying they were going to come. Not a single person showed up. Like it, it was such, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelsey came. That was awesome. Um, and that was, and so we got about 12 Quidditch players there, but not a single newbie. Um, so that was really sort of deflating because that stuff used to work and now it doesn't. So I'm not sure exactly why. Um, but I think I'd like to see, I think QA needs to put out, um, guides. I mean, some stuff is down to the clubs. Like you're going to really market your own club, but I think there's certain things that QA could standardize. Um, and when I say QA, I'm not just saying the board, I'm saying everyone yeah. gets together to work on this. Um, and that's like proposals to schools to run Quidditch in schools. Um, also proposals to other community groups. So you've got a lot of disability groups, a lot of youth groups and think and church groups, things like that. They're always looking for activities. Um, and I think if clubs have the tools to be able to reach out to those um, clubs and say, we've got, you know, hey, we've got this package that we can deliver and it's standardized mm-hmm. by QA, I think um, that could get a lot of traction into at least getting these groups to try Quidditch. And, um, and I think because you're, you're sort of um, getting it out there to groups of people, and I think groups of people who get excited about something are more likely to, to join up and stick with it. Um, and I think that's one of the big advantages with unis is like not only it, it's the right age group, yeah, it's not only the, the right age group, but people are developing together as this really tight group of friends. Yeah, um, best success is when, it, is when family members have friends that keeps them, that person coming. So you get one that you get more. The whole set. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's one advantage. I mean, we, always, we always sort of talk about the advantages that unis have with... Um, yeah, being able to have that sort of captive audience right there. But I think part of that is that you've got a group of type for, tight friends that are trying something together and they're going to stick with it together. They're going to love it together and and they're going to stick around like for quite a long time, basically. I think that Arfi's plan is not, it, maybe it doesn't work in terms of getting new members but it does work in that it builds awareness of the brand, which means that when you, you may have tapped all of players of a certain age range who want to play social adult sport, but when you try something new, the awareness is going to be there already. So you don't have to rebuild it from zero. So this sort of wants to say you haven't wasted $150 in Facebook ads. Um, Yeah, because Sometimes it's valuable money just making sure that when you say Quidditch, people don't think about Harry Potter and the girl on the unicycle. They think about sport. So we're trying. I think there is something to be said on that note as well for 
if you can get them the first time, you might give them the second time or the third time. Like there's plenty of examples of people in universities who saw creation first year and didn't think much of it, or saw creation like maybe third, third, and second year, but actually decided not to, and then ended up cracking in third year and kind of like, oh, damn, I should have come in the first year. Um, and it's like the awareness is there the entire time, but that there's something that's, that's, that's the, there's that extra boundary that you'd bring them over to get them to actually come to the thing. Were you going to say something, Ava, before? I think one of the core problems is that um, teams tend to view it as like, like social Darwinism, like every team for themselves, like survival of the fittest kind of attitude. Like, well, you know, and teams go, well, we don't need to recruit hard. So we're not going to put our effort in, but really it's like Quidditch in New South Wales should be promoting itself for getting people to join Quidditch and then being like, your local team is this one, join this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, so if you were to say, if you were to present it more of an option as to register with QNSW, um, as at you register for this or like you express interest in the sport and then they help you find a team that best suits your needs in terms of training times and training locations, then you have, so someone might be like, we've had people reach out to like, or there's been people who've reached out to the nightmares who are like, um, are we, I want to play Quidditch, but I live in like where I live in Macquarie. We're like, well, there's a team in there. Go there. Um, like and all those events where you're going, you're promoting all of the teams and you're yeah. quite specific about when and where. Like Quidditch is here as a sport and here's how we can make it, here's how we as a body can make it best for you. Yeah, sometimes QA will also get emails from people who will say, hey, is there a team in blah, blah. And I think something that could be really useful is teams advertising like what suburbs and stuff they train in, especially for Victorian teams. If I get a person expressing interest in Melbourne. I have no idea what team to send them because I have no idea where the Victorian teams train. They um, all train in the same place. Yeah. The place that's <laughs> where Mudbash is held. They all they all train in Faulkner Park. Wow. And there's in different times usually. But, um, but yeah, so I just so kind weird. of like send them off to BQA um, to mm -hmm. see if they can get more info out of them, but um, maybe have that on the website if that's not already there or something like that. Maps. Maps would be really AJ's cool. working on a map of the Yeah, so one of the regions. things that I'm trying to work on at the moment is this like a team's map of where like a clickable map where you can see like a map of Australia and the little pins were like, this is the Curtain Chimeras, this is University of Sydney, this is the Weasleys, this is all the development teams in the one place. <laughs> yeah. I think um, we yeah, we've been talking about a map for a long time. Uh, which is yeah, a great idea. We gotta do it. Just, I um, think that like now that we have G Suite, we have a lot of resources within that that can allow us to tap into Google's resources. Like we have something like ten thousand dollars worth of Google Ads credits as a as a NGO as a NFP. Wow! Which is like to be honest, I don't know how much money that is because I don't know how much ads cost, but it sounds like a lot of money. Um, so it sounds very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I have a thing to say though, which is that we've just seen that geography is not all. So 
of course, a Sydney City person wants to play Quidditch. You're going to tell them the Sydney City Serpents are the closest to you. And then, no, maybe I just wanted someone to play board games and run around with. You should have said, oh, you should go to the Weasleys, which are a bit farther away, but they're the team for you. It's... You just, you like, you don't, you don't treat it like school catchment areas. Like, you live in this place, this is where you have to go play Quidditch. Although, ideally, we would register every person for, like, a Quidditch team. But if you're interested in another sport, then that would be established. You would be like, well, I'm going to be normal thing for people to... to it just seems like other sports don't have... Like, I guess so many other sports, there are so many different ways to play. Like, you can play basketball in 50 different leagues across Sydney. Um, or in your front yard. Yeah. In, yeah. Um, but, like, in, in Sydney, if you want to play Quidditch, you have to play with us. And so you can't find a league that suits you. You have to find a team that suits you. But even if they were like, I live here or I work here and I want to play around this area, you'd be like, well, here are your options. Here are the links to their social media. See what type of team they are. Get in contact. Um, it does require... <coughs> all teams to have a policy, like an open door policy for new players. But I think I assume most teams do like, we'll accept anyone who's never played before. Um, so should the map come with instructions? Well, I guess- Well, the map can come with a list of teams. You can see all the teams, all their names, and like a one line uh, about what that team's culture is. And that one line is that team's brand, right? Like this yeah. is why teams need a brand. But if we Which can, like, I'm building on the website as well. If we can encourage teams like that, like tagline along with their team name and whatever as well. If we can encourage QA and QNSW to, and and the teams within the country and the state to see it as like we're all recruiting for each other. Like, the the sport gets better if we build our competition and if our competitors are better, um, and have more people and the sport grows. So we should be. I think we should just embrace that as a philosophy. I'm like I know that you are, but teams in general. So the question then is like, so we have these like resources, if you, get, if you create these resources like maps and so on that can go on the QA website, the QNSW website and whatever, like how else can we put that out there to people? Because like, the average person doesn't come across a map on the QA website of where the local British team is, right? You have to be like actually looking for that map. So how can we make that? Being at all those sort of big promotional points, because then you have something to refer to go to this map or mm -hmm. go, here's a flyer with all the teams or whatever it is. Yeah. But I still think that Supernova is no longer at least our only target audience. It's not our only one, but... But we've never touched on a wider scale the target audience. So what are the other teams. things that you want to expand into? Yeah. <gasps> yes. We thought about that. Sorry, we thought about that. And in fact... In fact, um, at, so I shouldn't say we, because it was UNQC, but UNQC wanted to collaborate with the Newcastle soccer team, what, or rugby team, what it's called, the Knights, to have Knights come and try Quidditch. Mm -hmm. Because it would have been, I don't know, fun for them, great advertising for us, and maybe some of them would come and play for Newcastle, because whatever. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we tried... Uh, we always participated when Newcastle University Sport was doing Sports Jam. And we were always the ones putting in a lot of work to make it look like Quidditch was 
awesome. Like you would see, uh, who was there? Rugby, they had a random stupid drill with a, a hole in the thing and you had to throw a ball in there. We would set up mega practices with demo games and plan to stay there two hours because we knew that those people who would come there were interested in sports. And obviously, rugby people don't have to explain to anyone how rugby works. And if someone really wants to join rugby, they will. But there, we had to push into that people. So, are there sports fairs? Like, sometimes, I know that the gym I go to posted that their leaders went to a giant sports convention. Let's go there. Let's... Well, exactly. Yeah, and like that's the kind of audience we also need to tap into because, first of all, that's not the people that's gonna be scared of the physical intensity because as much as you can put your own goals in, like a level of physicality is intended and. You know, um, these people aren't being aren't afraid of that. And also, Quidditch is extremely appealing as a sport. We discussed this yesterday. It's not just because it's quirky and new and fun. It's also because it's a serious sport that rewards intelligence and rewards a variety of different skills. So there is appeal in that. The other thing that's appealing um, to Quidditch that uh, with Quidditch as opposed to other sports is like, you know, I was in my second year of Quidditch last year and I made the reserves for the state team. There is absolutely no way that someone in their second year of soccer, rugby, cricket, any of the other really established sports would ever get to that level. So there's so much more opportunity to, um, get into a representative situation or, you know, like just go further than just club level. And I think that's also something that we need to highlight when we're advertising this as a sport. Like you can go somewhere with Quidditch. You can go to the World Cup, you know. Promoting things, we kind of point out like, is this guy you play is? Yeah. Which John, is John and sorry, 2016, and then was selected at the end of 2017. Um, so, but Miles is just excellent. Um, the other thing I want to say, and I will try my best to make this sound absolutely nice. And if I say something correctly and you get angry at me, just be mindful that English is my second language. But a target that we never actually went to is LGBTQ people because it's extremely difficult if you are non-binary or transgender to find a sport that doesn't stigmatize you, that you fit in, and that doesn't give you problems for who you are. So Sports Jam had a really unfortunate situation. And I remember Jono was really upset because Sports Jam, which is arranged by New Sport, had... Let's do a fun 100 meters race, male, females. 
Jono was one of our best runners. And, and we looked at Jono and Jono was like, I'm not going. And we were all really upset. But obviously health and fitness is super important and is great for mental health. And we are such a good community also accepting of mental health that we could be able to tell LGBTQ people Come play Quidditch. It's a great sport. We will not give you issues for anyone, for who you are. No one will give you issue in any sense. Come play. One thing that I looked into after going to, um, like, last year, and I'm still kind of in the back of my mind still, is literally a Quidditch Mardi Gras float. Like, because Mardi Gras float. So the Mardi Gras parade, because I looked at the criteria and they're not too hard to meet. Um, And there are a lot of sporting teams, like specifically queer sporting teams, but then also just generally teams that are accepting businesses that are accepting. Um, and it's not too difficult to register and you can get a bunch of grants for it. Um, but that is a very high profile activity. Um, lots of people watch it and like, like 20,000 people attend and a million people watch it on TV. So that would be an excellent way. Also, cause people would be like, Quidditch, what does that have to do with it? Um, we just released some media. We're like, you know, we are accepting of queer people. Here are like the rules. Here are our policies, our attempts at inclusion and diversity. Um, and it's something that with the permission of the board, I would like to look into. You have it. <laughs> um, I also wanted to say something we could tap into is demonstration matches at big sporting events. So a new ages ago before I joined, they were the like the mid-game entertainment for a Brumbies match in Canberra. And I feel like, like I, I don't really know how all that stuff sort of works. And I feel like you can't just like walk up to the NRL and go, hey, can we be in your halftime game or something like that? <laughs> Although like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we could do stuff like that or even try and find like local sporting tournaments and stuff like that and try and ask them. Yeah, we've done that with roller derby, uh, local roller derby. And ANU did that way back in the day. I think Nick Rodol has done, um, yeah, oh, well, yeah, when we did wheelchair quidditch, Nick oh, Rodol right, right, right. was yeah. our snitch. But ANU, I'm pretty sure Nick Rodol also organised some sort of other, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and now it's a much more physical sport. I think the derby people would have been much more interested. I think they thought it was a bit soft compared to what they were doing. And even if you're not going to recruit out of it, you're at least going to it, it gets the exposure that, that we need. Yeah. Wollongong did Wollongong did one um, at the stadium in basketball. Thank you. Yeah, we did like the halftime show, and um, yeah, that was really good. Not very many people understood what was going on, but they were at least talking about it. And like a few people that I knew from the basketball community were like, "Hey, I saw you like playing Quidditch. What is that all about?" And that's like really good exposure. It's a good point of <laughs> not yeah not understanding what's going on because um, people do turn up to. Like ra- random people do turn up to NQLs and watch a bit, but oh. they're just completely lost. Like they don't know what's going on. And always a fly on how it worked, and there was always someone commentating. So just to explain to new people what was happening, and that got people in. Like, and not only that, but we don't even engage people. Like we should have people that will spot 
the randoms in the audience or wherever and go up to them and say, hey, I'm this person. And they have the convenience of selling tickets. <laughs> yeah, like I'm really shy about that stuff. So when I see someone new, I just like kind of run away. But yeah. Um, one thing we talked about yesterday was organizing, um, designating a particular time during an NQL, ideally one that's located kind of centrally, um, like at Macquarie Uni or something. Um, and so like the match, like the one fifteen and the 12.30 matches are commentated, properly organized matches that are deliberately there for spectators and before it, we have an explanation of the rules and we promote that as like come and watch and particularly I guess you'd have to promote it at schools and stuff and get parents to bring their kids because that's such a captive audience yeah Harry Potter obsessed kids um and I think that's the people who are going to come out on their weekend um and you advertise it as like come and watch real life Quidditch and you can even get to like participate in a like a bit at the end and it's like a real match at an NQL so we don't have to do the organizing of a tournament um yeah. And, and you just, you make it really clear that, um, like you make it really clear what's going on and you have people commentating and you have people with like, uh, yeah. sorry, I have two things to say. One is that, um, schools love this in Italy, a school of like, like a class of Italian kids and their teacher came to watch the drop bears training and they brought their, their book and they made them sign and it was so cute. And I don't understand how they figured this out, but it was lovely. So yeah, get the, the final drop bear training, get the schools to come and watch the Australian national Quidditch team. Sorry, the second thing I wanted to say is that if you go to the Newcastle issue page, which is the brand book, uh, yeah, the brand book, go to the main issue law. So if you click on the logo of the brand of Newcastle, yeah. There's a flyer. There's no longer a flyer. Uh, <laughs> never mind. But we had a A4 double page flyer, how to play Quidditch. Whenever someone oh, yeah, stopped yeah. at trainings and watched us train, someone would run out of the training, hand them a flyer. Hi, these are the basic rules. You're welcome to jump in if you want. This is the rules. We'll explain you everything else. Sorry, I have to go by. If QA made one branded like QA and distributed it so everyone could print some, every time there is an NQL, every time people stop at Faulkner Park, wherever, someone who's not currently playing can go and maybe someone who feels confident to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the mentality has always been at NQLs is like, oh, we're too busy to do this or this. But I think we got to stop thinking like that and say, no, this is important. We got to look outwards and, you know, dedicate just, you know, because it's a, it's a double opportunity. Like you're killing two birds with one stone. We're running our own tournament and we've also got this opportunity to advertise something or to let someone have a go or something. So like for fantasy coming up now, I'm going to do like maybe during the lunch break, I'm going to advertise that as a have a try session. So I'm going to start sort of plugging that as well. So, and then that way they can actually see all the people that are there because normally when we're trying to recruit, we're just trying to bring people to our training session. And sometimes there's only six people at the training session and that never looks great, you know? So uh, I think we really need to start using the, yeah, the actual tournaments more for that sort of thing. Also, I love what, 
like I love how you said have an internal league and but especially Macquarie who have Mac Merck. And I think um QA or QNSW should really do something like that where once a week or once a fortnight or whatever, people can all just get together and have a friendly game and you can also advertise that as a have a try. That's just that's the perfect place for it, I think, as well. I think Mac Merck was like one of the like one of Macquarie's cleverest decisions as like a as a team. As a team that struggled for numbers for a while establishing Merck as a way of getting more players in the community at their training so they can play games, they can give a much better experience to their own players, um, and they can present an image to random passerbyers as a much more legitimate big thing. Um, it just works on so many levels. And I think it makes a lot of sense for, like, QSW to try and establish, like, a weekly or fortnightly, like, Sydney, Sydney Merck, because you have... You said UTS, UNSW, Serpents, like all within like two kilometers of each other. Like on the, on the one hand in Australia, like you'd think we have the Torino distance as a problem, which we kind of do. Like we talk Perth and Adelaide and Queensland, we're also separate. But in all these little niches, we're also very, very, for the most part, concentrated. Like nowhere else in the world do you have 10 teams in the one city. Um, yeah. And that's insane. Like wildly big city. Um, and it's definitely something you should take more advantage of, I think. My point's related to earlier when we were talking about getting schools involved and stuff. I think that now that we've got G Suite, it's much easier, but I think we're underutilizing like emails. Like it is super easy just to send an email. Hey, like I'm from Quidditch. This is like what we're doing this month. Like get, get kids to come and try and get involved. It's a great way for kids that even aren't, aren't fit and like schools are always looking for an opportunity to get their kids involved in fitness and health and all that stuff. And I think that that's worthwhile reaching out to schools in that way, not just trying to go to schools and do demonstrations and get them to do it at the school, like getting them to advertise for us and go, you know, we've got a kid itch tournament coming up or whatever. I think that that's possibly an opportunity that we're not taking advantage of at the moment. One thing that, um, is difficult but would be useful would be to hold events during the day, like during the school day. So between nine and three, which is harder for community teams that have people who like actually work and have real jobs um, and a lot easier for university teams um, who have layabouts like me who are like free during the day. So um, running things be like from two to three or like one to two in this place. We, and you invite all of the local schools and you're like, come along. But um but that is difficult for most teams to run because you need people available. I think those things are, are in some ways easier done by states than by individual teams because if you're a state, you can pull from all the local teams, which if you're just a team, you're pulling from your, local, from your own team. And it works for you if you have lots of people in your club, but it doesn't work for the average team. Um, but then I think part of the problem becomes if QMS if does if if a call out for like, hey, who can help at this this expo game or this this game here, people need to ha be willing to put in the time to go and participate in that, which is often the problem. I think like it's getting numbers for things like demo games at Comic Con and Comic Con, but like Supernova and stuff, start becoming an issue. That sort of thing. Um, well, I remember because I just saw it on my list of things here. Um, SEO is quite useful as a thing to think about as well. Do you know what SEO is? Um, 
SEO is search engine optimization. And basically, it means optimizing on your online content to be readily searchable. And so when someone Googles Quidditch or someone Googles whatever, like some sort of search term that you want them to find your thing, your thing pops up at the top of Google's search. And so, as it, as it turns out, <laughs> yeah, dodgeball would be a good one too. So is that like paying for an ad? So, yes and no. So that, like, no, it's like, no. And SEO is a bit about um, the web platform that you're using um, and how well that web platform that you're using, your, your web hosting, like for your website, um, is optimized for having all the content on your information easily searchable by and easily indexed by a search engine like Google, but also then the, the key phrases and terms that you use when you're writing the website and so on. Um, kind of use the key phrases and terms that people will use to search up your thing. Um, so Quit Australia has always had really, really, really good SEO. I suspect a lot of things thanks to Nick, because when you Google Quidditch, um, we're the first thing that comes up, um, which is cool. Is um, that because we're in Australia though? Maybe because we're in Australia. <laughs> yeah, but like, try DuckDuckGo. So Google collects data and uses it to optimize the search, the funding page, even if you are incognito. But Oh, but this is like, like a local computer, right? Like no one on BMC has ever Googled It doesn't matter. Quit, Google knows where you are. So it already pops Australia. But yeah, but so anyone, anyone in Quidditch, any, sorry, anyone in Australia who is looking for Quidditch, we want them to find Quidditch Australia. Yeah, like, I don't really care if Italian's not fine us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, like they already know the, all the pages that you opened, this ones. So they already know all of this. They already know exactly what you're doing, who you're interested in. I mean, I did this yesterday to check if it was actually work, but anyway. So if you Google, Yeah, I get the point that you're making, but also the, also the point is like this. Australia, and we still pop first. Okay, good. I just wanted to check. <laughs> this is what, if you are in Australia and you've never looked Quidditch, this is what you see. It, we're higher than the Harry Potter wiki, so that's, yes. and, and higher than Wikipedia, so that's something. That's a, probably a good real thing. That's the, that's from San Francisco, not Australia, but anyway. Yeah, but that's the, that's, that's the sunrise that, uh, Jamie watched probably. Oh no, it's eleven so days. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the things we should try and find more Australia stuff to put in that page. Also, our Quidditch Australia Wikipedia page it almost got deleted. <laughs> it was voted for deletion because like, it wasn't there were any sources, it was all independent research. So I spent a couple of days at work just like, putting in all these sources and it saved it. They, yeah. <laughs> They've actually renamed it now to Quidditch in Australia instead of mm -hmm. Quidditch Australia, but yeah, that's something. <laughs> Quidditch sport is the fourth result. So I think we can be happy with that. Go Quidditch in, not just to see if it still works. I suspect QA still comes up. Oh, look. Nice. There we go. You said. University of Comes Sydney, no, University well. of Sydney. Western Sydney, that's a problem. And then Sydney to the surface. Because it doesn't exist anymore. My point with SEO, I guess, is that having good SEO can be really important, not just for like people trying to find the sport and trying to, people trying to find, like, join the sport, 
But if like some company is like, you know, I heard about queer the other day. Um, it could be a really fun activity for us to do as corporate team building. I wonder if there's a team nearby. Google's Quirch in Sydney. Oh, look, University of Sydney is the first thing that comes up. I'll go ask them if, for, if they want to do a thing. And that's a huge opportunity for University of Sydney to like, start making lots of money off, off companies like trying to do corporate, corporate team building, for example. And also SEO is going to be super important when we change the name of Quidditch because we're going to have to have a Quidditch in our SEO, but we can't call mm-hmm. ourselves. People are still going to be searching for it but they have to find our version or whatever name it ends up being. SEO is a, is a thing that's worth considering as well. Um, as you're building your online presence and as you're working out how to put yourself, how to put the brand online. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to mention earlier is that when we're talking about the LGBT appealing stuff, that's a good, really good example of a way that Quidditch can differentiate itself from other sports and differentiate its brand and really emphasize that as a selling point of the brand of Quidditch. Um, having said all of that and having always ways to build awareness, I would suggest that lots of people are aware of Quidditch like this, like as much as it is like a bit of a meme, still reached 317,000, sorry, 337 people liked it, let alone how many people it reached with 16,000 shares. When we won World Cup in 2016, these posts were getting like 200,000 people reach with 2,000. This, this, is, this is likes, shares, and comments on the post. It's 2,200 likes, shares, and comments. Like I think the, the We Won World Cup post got shared over 600 times. There's a huge audience behind that post. And then Greenwich, Australia at least, was all over the media on Sunrise, Breakfast TV, whole bunch of different um, newspapers. Like Quidditch, people, lots of people know Quidditch exists. In fact, it's gotten to one where like when, when ABC approached us about doing the 7.30 story, they were like, oh no, we don't want to do like one of the stories that's already been done. Everyone knows that story about, oh wow, Quidditch is a real sport. We want to now do a story about the actual people who play Quidditch and tell a story about like why people are playing Quidditch and the, the kind, of, kind of people who do it rather than just like, look at this amazing thing from a book that became a real life thing. And I was like, wow, really? People have all heard this story? This is news to me. Um, <laughs> but so then I think if there are all these thousands and thousands of people who know Quidditch exists, like we know that Quidditch is a really fun sport. We know Quidditch is like something really worth getting involved in. So what's stopping them? What are the barriers to the sport why are people aware that Quidditch exists but not actually coming to the thing the burns <laughs> this is like a, again just brainstorming ideas people are generally very open to new people but then like the in jokes sort of happen and whilst some teams want that to be a thing like they're not always inclusive. Like, oh, it's funny because this happened and this. Like, ANU was very much like that when I joined. Everything was very clicky and you need to fit in with that personality type. Otherwise, you didn't really fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sydney, that's probably less a problem because you can just go to a different team. But places like Newcastle, Wollongong, ANU, you kind of just... Yeah. And 
that can take just one person sometimes to yeah. ruin it. Yeah. yeah. I think that a lot of the time, a lot of the time we don't even get the conversion. So this is when you come and experience a thing, but a lot of the time the problem is before we, they don't even come and experience. Yeah. So this is about asking like, why is someone who knows about Quidditch not actually turning up to the event or why is it, why they're not actually going and looking into it in more detail? I think, Yeah, another problem is that so far we've targeted largely a public that might not be sport-oriented and might not like social interaction that much. And the other thing... Bye, Ava. The other thing um, I wanted to say is that it looks really, I think that when you want to explain how it works in real life, it looks really complicated. It's overwhelming. Yeah, and the mix of, um, like it being full contact, I think full contact, is a big barrier to the kind of person who it would appeal to on paper. Um, and like we get a lot of, you know, people messaging us or, or turning up that it's just too kind of rough for them. And then, and even though we keep our, our trainings like non-contact, they still kind of just decide not to come back because they sort of know it's not for them. And if they look at the tournament levels, then there's no sort of entry level and then full on level. Like there's no way for them to participate in regular games that aren't tackle or aren't competitive. And when do you think of the, like when Quidditch first started in Australia, it was non-contact. Like, yeah, they decided not to be, not to follow USA to begin with. Um, and I think that was, I mean, that was sort of onto something there, but it, it, it I mean, uh, is there any way of having two working at the same time, like a, a contact and non-contact sort of version? I, I don't know. Weasley wouldn't have existed long enough to stay as a team if we hadn't have had the opportunity to play friendly games at tournaments before we had enough people. Yeah, our, yeah, our first recruits outside of me and Claire was an, a 14-year-old and an 11-year-old girl. And we agreed with the rest of the teams. Like, they'll say, okay, we won't, we won't tackle those guys. Like... And you don't have that flexibility anymore. So, and without, you know, just those early people, we wouldn't have had the chance to build up the team to, to what it is now. Other thoughts? It could be also like other simple things, like just like people don't have enough time. Definitely. Like time is a big issue for people. Convenience, like if they can't find a team that's near them. Like even in university, like students are very lazy. If the team isn't training like next to where their class is, like I'm not going to go all the way over there to go find that training. Or if they can't find where you come and try is. Yeah, um, field was visible versus now that you have to go somewhere to get to it. Like, yeah. Like I think like, you said Quidditch used to train on the front lawns of the quad, which was like obviously like, the high visibility area, everyone's just walking straight past there all the time. 
as compared to now being in Victoria Park, close, but a bit out of the way. I think I'm, a great thing is shame or perceived shame you'll get for saying you play Quidditch. Because let's be real, like whenever we make a newspaper, half the people there are joking that it's gay to have a broom between your legs and it's a sport for nerds and even people who are might, who might love it. Yeah, and it's difficult to cancel that. Like, even if I read a newspaper article on Facebook saying they play Quidditch and I would think, oh, this sounds fun. Then I would read a hundred people saying, look at this bunch of derogatory term. And I would think, oh, maybe I shouldn't associate myself with these. I'm already, everyone is insecure. Everyone is unsure about their social position. So. Yeah, like we had one guy a couple of years ago who was part of a football team and, and he loved it. He, he loved playing and then he said, oh, I'm going to tell my, my football team like they'll, they'll, they'll love it. They'll be in for sure. And then, um, and then he never mentioned it again. And then I sort of hit him up a couple of weeks later. Oh, what happened to your team? Like, oh, no, they didn't like it. Like, yeah, they, they started making fun of me. But, but then, yeah, and you see that in when you advertise on Facebook. Like you'll get, you know, like yeah. one comment was, Quidditch can suck my balls. Like, this, you know, <laughs> so that's what we're up against. Dickheads, right, dickheads. <laughs> right, dickheads. Numbers of people driving past that, that shout out Gryffindor as a positive thing or oh, yeah. a derogatory thing. Oh, yeah. At Newcastle. At Newcastle, we used to train on Oval 4, which is between the main car park and the main building. So a lot of people would see it and yell, where's Harry Potter? And then a bunch of people would yell something derogatory back, which wasn't the way to go. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, that didn't make me happy. The ages that are recruiting for community teams are a big issue as well. Like I guess with uni, kind of within sort of five years of each other. But community teams, you're recruiting a 12-year-old and a 40-year-old and a, like just that mm -hmm. dynamic. I think you can also take it from the flip side as well, right? And as much as the heavy contact can be a big something that's very off-putting someone, someone, for someone who's really into competitive sport, they'll look at Quidditch and go, oh, that looks way too easy, that looks way too slow, that looks not like something I'd be interested in at all. Um, obviously, you know that Quidditch can be very appealing to very athletic, elite, athlete sporting people. Um, and so the perception works both ways as well. We're making a giant list of problems and <laughs> it's becoming too much. Well, this is almost like, this is like, the, this is like the TNS what analysis, right? This is working out all the reasons people won't come to Quidditch and then how do you minimize them? How do we convince them that actually, you know what? You don't have to be sport oriented. This is sport for all abilities. You know what? You don't have to make training three times a week. You can just come as much as you want. Time is not an issue. People not just to the sport has been really good for the community side of things. Some mm. people just want to be part of that community, but they're happy refing or cooking or whatever it is. It's not necessarily the sport. It's hardly ever refing. <laughs> that's true. But that's for all sports. Spicy. <laughs> um. Lost it.
Yeah, I think going through these ideas is, is really useful as a sort of analysis of which of these things are we can't change and which things can we change, which things can we make, which things can we build into our brand as um, ways to mitigate that barrier. Like this is why I built usage, queerish banders, all genders, all abilities, all welcome. That all abilities is all about saying, hey, just because you don't play 12 doesn't mean you can't play this sport. Or just because you're a really elite sports person doesn't mean like you can play this at all levels is the idea there. Um, also so venues you, was what I was thinking of, sorry. Right? Venues. Um, oh, so, venues. I mean, we used to train on weekends and that just doesn't work anymore for our club, so our players. So we have to train at nights and then in winter you need lighting, um, which so you need field hire with lighting, which is very expensive, or you need indoor venues, which are very expensive. Um, so unless you're going to sort of charge players an extra $50 a year, it's you're not going to be able to afford it. Um, are we happy with that for now? We can keep coming with that later, obviously, or in the future. Um, and then this is basically what I was saying in that making creation more appealing isn't just about then building what your, what your brand and what your team is about, but it's also just as much about taking down those barriers as well. It's as much about how you present who you are as much as about how you present what you aren't if that makes sense and making sure you work out what people are perceiving you to be and breaking down those false perceptions in your close persona and in the um, brand that you're trying to express, I guess. Um, as far as building awareness, building a brand, bringing people into the sport, I think probably the most effective is people. Um, I think it's very widely accepted, not just in creative, but broadly in advertising and in um, marketing generally, the most powerful tool is word of mouth um, because then that word of mouth can be um, moderated in person to suit the person you're marketing to. Like I can tell a completely different story about Quidditch to someone like Max Brenner, who is coming from an elite sports background, and I might tell to five years ago me who's coming from a huge Harry Potter nerd background, right? Like the way I got into, into sport, into, into playing Quidditch rather, was Cat Cooper telling me, oh, you don't have to come and play. You can just come and talk about Harry Potter on the sidelines and watch. Because I had no interest in actually playing the sport. I was really off put by seeing videos of US Quidditch and going, oh, wow, it looks really intense. I'm not about this contact thing. Um, but like, I like Harry Potter, so maybe I'll like go and watch or something. And Cat was like, yeah, it's certainly time. You can just come and watch and talk about Harry Potter. I was like, cool, I'll do that. And then I also got roped into playing and then this happened. Um, <laughs> Sorry, AJ. <laughs> and then it turned out I was fine with contact as well after a year of being thrown at Nick Albanos. Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> thrown at Nick Albanos? Like, yeah, I mean, like literally all of Usage Coach's contact training in 2014 was here are the hoops. Here is Nick, get to hoops. <laughs> and by the end of it, we were very used to contact. <laughs> the worst, the scarier thing is if you are in front of a hoop and then they put Nick <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> That's scarier, I reckon. 
that's how that's how you also like my, 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 I, I think that's a really great technique in some ways because in some ways like you learn this is a really scary situation oh i'm fine Oh, and everyone's you know laughing, and Nick is patting me on the back. That's you know, cute. Nick. Nick is a big guy, but he's also like a huge teddy bear, right? A huge what? Teddy bear. Aww, hi, Nick. <laughs> I hope you're watching this. Um, but yeah, so back to this idea of um, like your most, your biggest um, um, asset when it comes to recruiting advertising is your players who can then go out and talk to people and say, oh, I play Quidditch, this really cool thing, you should also come and do it as well. Because that's, I think, how, that's the easiest way to break down those perception barriers, I think. Because people are aware of Quidditch and they're like, oh, there are a bunch of weird people, oh, this is not a legitimate sport, oh, the broom is really odd. And someone can go, actually, no, I played it and it's actually fine for all these reasons. You'd really enjoy it, come on with me to my next training. And then they have that in as well with a friend that they can go to training with or something like that. Um, and it's such a powerful emotional force as compared to seeing an image that says, come and try Quidditch. And like, that's cool if you're like a really outgoing, adventurous, trying new kind of things per, kind of person. But having sort of like a brand ambassador, if you like, being every player in your club is, is really powerful. But then you can build that into your advertising with things like um, um, player profiles and new player profiles or accept profiles. So I think that like it's very well accepted in broader marketing that like testimonials are super, super important. Like brands put so much effort into advertising what their reviews are, getting customers to leave reviews. Um, things like TripAdvisor are hugely successful platforms because they're all built around customers leaving reviews and so on. Um, Uber, Airbnb, et cetera. And as Quidditch, we can't really do that because our customers kind of become our own employers to extend an excellent analogy. So it's really weird if an employer is leaving a review for the company that they work for. And it seems very disingenuous in some ways, I think. Like I've seen some clubs try and do that where they have like, like they turn on reviews on Facebook and like all their club members go, oh, this club is great. Or like, oh, it's really fun. And then, profile photo is a Quidditch person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It could work. I'm not entirely sure. But I think the effective way to do it is to use things like player profiles. And the player profiles, you can easily highlight smiling face, friendly person, one like tagline from like their like little like paragraph or two about who they are, what they are doing, why they like the sport of Quidditch. And anyone can see that and potentially see themselves in that player or see that person go and relate to them. And it's a really great way to then show off different aspects of your club. Like you have someone who's coming from the queer part of the club. You can have someone who's there for the really competitive sports aspect of the club. You have someone who's there for the fun community side of the club. And once you have all those different, like the diverse array of experiences of Quidditch, then you can have something for anyone to find appealing, if that makes sense. So like this is the exact profiles you said did at the start of um, last year. And the key thing with any of these sets of profiles is having that diversity. So you have multiple, you have people of like um, different ethnicities, 
you have some people which are just like smiling faces, hugging. You have some that's like actually playing sport and being competitive. You have Daryl being a bit of a meme. You have these guys being like friendly or silly. You have um, both people who are sensibly men and women um, having all these different ways that people can relate to whoever's in that image is really important because the easiest way for someone to find a way into their sport is to be able to see themselves in a position in a club as a player. So I think player profiles are a very powerful way of doing that. Um, and it just helps build your brand as a club as well and gives you an easy way to keep your social media active and so on. Um, the other thing I think player profiles do is makes your own players feel valued. It makes them feel like they're a part of this bigger thing and it shows them that as a club, you are proud to have them as part of your club and you're proud to present them as part of your club. Um, and that can be really empowering to that person in your club and that really helps things like retention as well. Um, I know that for me, one of my like big moments in my first semester of playing Quidditch was when um, I was just, just like walking down like the like a main avenue at UCID and bumped into Liam O'Callaghan, for those of you who remember him from the team. And he was like, oh, by the way, are you, are you coming to Midwinter? Like, it'd be really good if you could come. Like, we'd really love to have you on the, on the Midwinter squad. And I was like, really? They, they want me on the team? Like, I'm like, like, it was just like a throwaway comment. But to me, as like a new player who was like, very like nervous and shy and like, not sure how I'm into this new club having someone on the team express that like it'd be really good for me to turn up to this thing it'd be really nice if I, show, if I showed up that's really really powerful for a new player it's really really powerful for someone who's trying to see if this is a good fit for them um and so in that way the players in your club are your biggest asset in recruiting and retention 